0: Tradition doesn't mean that you worship the ashes, but you have to carry on the torch. Obviously, if you do everything like it's always been done, tattooing will be dead. There are people who just consume and then people who do something. And in my world, everybody should do a little thing, at least like contribute something. I always try to be me, you know, I try to to be true to myself.
1: My name is Steph Bastian. In my 10 years on the road, I've met many unique characters in the tattoo business, and they all have one thing in common, incredible stories. Stories of past times, personal growth, priceless experience, and of course, bizarre happenings. I want to share those stories with you. This is Tattoo Tales. Today we have Andreas Könen from Aachen. Welcome to Tattoo Tales, Andreas. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? Very good.
0: I had a good day. I didn't hardly didn't work. (laughs) That's good. Just did a drawing. That's good. Relax, relax, Saturday.
1: Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit for the people
0: that are new, a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm 49, Um, I did my first tattoo in 91, and I started working in a shop in 95, so I always say I started in 95. I grew up as a punk rocker, uh, got interested in tattoos um, through music, Um, I always liked to draw, so I felt that tattooing, after I got my first tattoo I was like, that's it, because you know, like I can draw. I I'm it's outside of society I can draw for a living, you know.
1: Where did you get a first tattoo?
0: It's a the local shop in town. Mm -hmm. Um which is funny, it was a dragon from a flash hanging the shop and that time it was all the same flash. And um later on I realized it was a dumb known flash who like recently died. Um who's like now one of my favorite tattoos? And it was like the Spalding and Rogers sheet. Like he had like, I don't know, 300 sheets. He did 300 sh- something sheets for Spalding and Rogers production sheets. And um, the dragon I got was from one of the sheets. I got it covered in the 90s because I wanted to have like a fancy or tattoo. Now it's kind of like, I feel like, oh damn, because it's I, I have that production sheet with that dragon I have now. So it's kind of a I didn't know that. I didn't know shit who was the one. Everybody that time, said the
1: same, you know, everybody's like, I wish I wouldn't have covered I was talking with Lal
0: Hardy and I was like, Yeah, that tattoo I
1: wish I wouldn't have covered da, da, da. It's
0: There's like the tattoo I have now is way better, but um that shop was such a typical tattoo shop at that time, like late eighties, nineties, um the same flash on the walls, like all Spalding and rogers, maybe some Jack Rudy sheets. So it was all the same. It's like the black couch, um, somebody sitting on the couch drinking a beer. Tattooing felt like something which was kind of out of society for me, which maybe it never was, but it more felt like it. I felt like, oh, wow, I can make a living not have to do like a regular job. And then I bought my first tattoo kit kind of, um, I think in 91. So I did my first tattoo in 91 with that stuff. And then, um, I think in 95, another local guy I got tattooed by, he kind of just said, like, oh, yeah, you, I can show you. And I can, you can do your tattoos here. He showed me everything, how to make needles and everything. And on his day off, I could work. But he had to shop alone. And he wanted to stay alone in shop. So he never really wanted to have somebody work with him. So he said, like, you can use everything I have outside of the hours I work. So I went every Wednesday and Sunday I could just go and shop, tattoo all my friends. And, um, but he never wanted to work with somebody. But he would just, I could use his machines, his needles, everything. Never what do you really...
1: think, he just liked you? I think he just
0: liked me and he wanted to support me, but I think he didn't want to work with somebody. He was like a, a, that kind of a guy always. But it was funny because he just gave me the key and said like here. Like he showed me everything. He showed me how to make needles, everything. So it was not that he was just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to invest any time, but he just supported me. But for some reason, he never wanted me to work really there. I don't know why. Maybe he he wanted to be by himself. Um, and then, so I worked there, tattooed my friends. And I was in the hardcore and punk rock scene, so I had a lot of friends. <laughs> so I tattooed a lot of those people. And at one point, I was so busy, he was tattooing all my friends, i said like "Ah, i just i just can't do it in two days i have i need to tattoo more days i had a a regular job in the morning and then in the afternoon so i was like damn i have to find a way so i started like i got in my apartment i made a little room where i could tattoo so i started tattooing more people in my house because i had to because i was so busy at one point i was like i was booked three weeks in my apartment, <laughs> In the afternoon for three weeks, solid, like five days a week. Um, and then I did this for a while, and then went to the guy and said, like, "Hey, man, I have to, I have to, um, I have to do something. I just, I can't do that. I don't want to do it." So I said, like, "I have to open up a shop, but I'm gonna leave town. I'm gonna go to Aachen, where I'm now." Um, and he said, like, ah, "I don't care. You can open up a shop here because I don't care." I so said, like, "Yeah, man." I think it's like I should leave because I you, you helped me and I don't want to open up a shop on you. And he said, like, I don't care. But I was like, eh, you know, maybe one day, maybe I'm busier than him for some reason. And then he might be like, oh, man, this guy opened up on me. So I was like, ah, eh, maybe i just leave town because it's going to be better for us, which I never regretted because the town where I come from is now a shithole. And now I'm in a super nice town where it's really nice to live. When it comes to stuff like this, I have like some kind of strong opinions and strong ethics and I, I, I think you should not open up on the, the guy who taught you at, at least get like some mile speed between it you know and like you should find agreement because still I feel that uh, somebody who breaks you into tattooing should deserve that respect no matter how shitty it is, but it's usually it's nice because it's it's not gonna be bad blood. If you leave whatever the part of town or leave the town itself when it's not too big, then it's nice to open up somewhere else and just, you know, I kind of, that was always my thing. And I always taught everybody I taught, I said like, Hey, I went, I went 70 kilometers away, 60, 69 kilometers away and says, that's kind of like what I expect you to do like 69 kilometers. Nice. <laughs> Actually, almost everybody who I apprenticed still works for me. So it was, it became never an issue. But I think I can't expect something like this from people when I don't do it myself. You know, like I was there. I had a. I was a bad kid in that town. I worked as a bouncer in a club, and I felt like I have to go somewhere else to be a different person, kind of. You know, because yeah, I don't to, yourself. Yeah, because I don't want to be the that bouncer from the club for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. so I and it was it worked very well. Um, the first year here in town was terrible because. There was like I had three customers from here before and then I literally had to like start at point zero um, to build up everything. And I would like to have days where nobody come in and I had days where I didn't tattoo. I still tattooed all the people from the other town, but and then I just built it up. And after one and a half years, I was busy. I was like booked for two months. How long
1: the shop has been here for?
0: 21 and a half year.
1: And how was German tattooing? Because, I mean, Germany has has history. Has Germany has history names. of
0: tattooing. At that time, when the point came that I said, like, I have to go to work at a, at a shop full-time, I drove around here, um, around, like, 200 kilometers from here. And um, I went to the shops which were there. And at that time, most shops were, like, one guy, maybe two guys. So everybody had people work for them. There was no vacancy. There was no place where I could go. Then one place, <laughs> I came there and he literally just hired my a friend of mine, like who's a friend now of mine, uh, hired that guy. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm too late. And then I was like, oh, fuck it, what are you going to do? Are you Are going to open up a shop? It was actually, in my opinion, it was a little early at that time to open up your own shop, but I didn't have any, there was no choice. Okay was not an option it was not like it wasn't like, like now like five shops at that time it was really like you look at the map of your surrounding area and then you're like there's this guy this guy this guy and this guy so and then I was like oh ah there was a tattoo two tattoos but I don't know him at all so I was like yeah you know so maybe I'm the new guy in town and they're gonna hate me but I you know like I didn't wanna go somewhere where I knew the people so I came here and opened up the yeah, other tattooing was, um, there were a couple guys who uh, started doing the more like modern tattooing because it's like when I got into tattooed, tattooing, it was like all the new school stuff, um, which was getting big because it was a lot of biker stuff before. And then the new guys came like Marcus Pacheco and all these. So when I started looking through tattoo magazines, there was a whole new breed of um, young tattooers I saw the work of, Marcus Pacheco, for example, who was a, a sharp-skinhead in New York and into hardcore. And you can, like, you go through a magazine, and there's this biker guy and that biker guy and that biker And then you turn and you're like, oh, wow, this guy has a bald head and is wearing a T-shirt from your favorite band. Who's that guy? So you got a, I got really into that kind of tattooing, like Marcus Pacheco and Timothy Hoy and all those guys. Which really attracted me, obviously, because it was kind of people like you. You know, like you go to the biker tattoo, you get a tattoo, but he's like miles away from who you are. You know, like you're the punk rock kid, you're into a different lifestyle, and then there's this old guy as a biker, and he, like he listens to different music. It's and then I'm young, and I wanna, I want the whole thing. So, and then there's these people, and then in '93, I went to the. Amsterdam Tattoo Convention, which to this day is my favorite convention, like the one Hanky Panky did in the 90s. And uh, so me and my friend, who's into tattoos, so we're waiting in front of the door. We are some of the first people with money in our pockets, and we really want to get tattooed. And uh, they, they open the door, and I walk, we walk in, and the first booth next to the door is Marcus Pacheco. And I see his jacket, which says, like, Prime Lodge Tattoo. San Francisco and so I got my first tattoo from him in 93 and there was a bunch of people young people younger tattooers in Germany who were interested in that style of tattooing like there's this guy Hennes who was big um, at that time there was a couple people who had the same interest everything else was just like everywhere you know it was more like the classic biker stuff and there were some big names you know like uh, Luke Atkinson, but then uh, in in Düsseldorf here it was Ralf who just died a couple of years ago. He was a biker but a really really good tattooer. He had a Philip blue back piece and he had like some famous um Jack Rudy tattoos. So they were all like really into that uh, into tattooing but tattooing. A, yeah, but it was it was different, you know, like it was not really what attracted me. Yeah, and then this whole breed of new tattoos um, in Germany. It was a lo- the funny thing, it was a lot in this part of Germany. So there was not a lot going on everywhere else, but here it was like in the Ruhrgebiet, you know, Essen and all there. There were some guys in Düsseldorf and Cologne. Hamburg, I guess. Hamburg wasn't that big at no. that time. Hamburg became bigger. Like Hamburg was is the town for tattooing in Germany back in the days. And then it wasn't wasn't at all for like maybe the nineties. And then now it's like a big town again with a lot of tattoos. The uh, same was Berlin. Berlin was a wasteland for tattooing. Seriously, it was crazy for the big city. It is. It was a wasteland for a long, long time. Now it's like it's like like anybody the else. The crazy else. place where like a lot so many tattoos move. You know, even tattooers who have a. A crazy career, you know, um, Uncle Alan from yep. Copenhagen. He has like a crazy career in Copenhagen and he moves to Berlin, you know. Yeah, I guess <laughs> in Berlin, you, you, you look for something else. Yeah, well, you look you know? for something else. That probably. type of like artistic scene. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. that was, Berlin was always like this. It wasn't in the 30s like this, and then in the 80s, it was big. Like some of the, the most famous records from um, David Bowie are written in Berlin. He lived in Berlin for a long time. You know, heroes. That song, heroes, from David Bowie. It's about uh, a couple standing to the next to the Berlin Wall. So it's like Berlin had always that. For me, it was not never really interesting. It was really interesting for the eighties. The punk rock and the hardcore was like crazy there. It was intense, a little bit like New York. You know, it was always that that little extra. You that know, scene. And, extra crazy, extra tough. Um, yeah, but here it was like it was a big group of people. It was really nice. Um, Yeah, and then all that started, and then in the mid-90s, the whole wave of uh, the comeback of traditional tattooing happened, kind of, so we all started doing, like, more traditional stuff, back from the chrome and the twisted anchors, so we started doing more traditional stuff, which was in in the vein of, like, all the San Francisco stuff, you know, which still to this day is my favorite, like, mid-90s San Francisco, you know, at Hardy, and... And then all the guys who were there, Eddie Deutsch, um, Scott Sylvia, all that when that started. Um, so that's kinda where I got my where I got my education in tattooing. It's I think like to this day, every time I draw something it's gonna look like this because I literally can't draw it in a different way. Yeah. You know, when the neo traditional thing came, I was like, Oh, maybe I can try this and I was like, No, oh, it doesn't work <laughs> 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 You know, if I wanna make something like super traditional looking, like thirties or forties style I tried and I was like, nope, I guess I just can so it's kinda of like how I got in like how I got introduced in tattooing and that stuck for me forever. You know, like I get maybe I get better, but it's always that style. Which was evolving from the new school stuff. A lot of the guys, um, when you think about like especially San Francisco tattooing, a lot of the guys who are big names in traditional tattooing now, they all started working for people like Marcus. You know, Marcus Prime Lurch was like uh, he he brought Scott Silvia to San Francisco. Jeff Rescher worked for him, uh, even Grimey. All these people came to work with him and then started working somewhere else and go in different directions. That's the reason why I did the book on Marcus Pacheco, because he was the guy which, like, really made me want to become a tattooer. We became friends, and he helped me a lot. He showed me how to mix colors, and he gave me a lot of insight. Like, he, tat- like, in 96, he came to Germany... And he, he tattooed in the same room where I tattooed and uh, tattooed me there. And he showed me how to uh, mix colors and everything. So he always supported me. I went in a different direction, obviously, too. So I got into more of the traditional stuff. He kept with his, what he was doing. He was progressing a lot, but he kept doing what uh, he was doing. And then I would say that at one point, maybe his tattooing wasn't popular anymore. You know, that mm-hmm. style, like what he does. So, um, but he was still doing it. Um, so I got kind of like, got new people who inspired me more. Um, but I would always visit him and hang out with him and we're still friends. And then at one point, I just realized that a lot of people don't even know about him anymore. And especially about the importance of him. You know, like not because everybody does what he does now, but he... A lot of people got inspired by him to become tattooers. And a lot of people, when you ask them, like, hey, like, of my generation, like, why you became a tattooer? They're like, oh, yeah, Max Pacheco and Guy Atchison. You know, like, mm-hmm. his name, you know, hear his name a lot when you talk to, like, Will Lawley and all those guys. You remember that 100, um, we are tattoo with 100, 100 tattoo that book? You When you read through it and, like, who's your main influence? There are so yeah, many times... So many times. And, like, people who you would not even think about when you see their tattoos now, you would not even think about that they ever would like that guy. But at that time, like, that was what everybody wanted to do. So he was an uh, inspiration for a lot of people becoming tattooists. So And that's the reason why I wanted to do the book, because I felt like, man, this guy is not getting the... Um, recognition. N- he should have. And that's the reason why I did the book. And... Um, I knew it was not like the, uh, a commercial choice. It was not like, oh yeah, you're going to do the book and you're going to sell like crazy. But for me, it was more giving something back, tribute. you know. And I think if you do books and stuff like this and a lot of stuff in tattooing, I do it because I want to... Tattooing was great to me. Like tattooing treated me super good. I have all this, like a big shop and everything. So tattooing is good to me and I just want to give something back. Um, and the Marcus book was the first thing. I never thought about, like, oh, are you gonna, I going to make books. No, I just, I, I, I going to do a book on Marcus Pacheco because he is my friend and I wanna do it. And the whole process was crazy because it took forever because it's, he never took photos of his stuff, so we had to, like, hunt down his customers and shit like that. But the funny thing is, like, the whole process, the whole thing was, like, that when the book was almost printed, me and Marcus were sitting and we were like, hey, man, like, I told him like, Hey man, we never talked about business. And he's like, Yeah. Who cares? Because it was never about like, oh let's make a book and make money. Because for both of us it was like the, the love of labor. You know, like we just wanted to do it. And um, yeah, I did that and um, it felt good because he helped me so much. Like still I still like do a lot of stuff like how he taught me and I still love his as a love his stuff as a tattooer. It's great. I thought about a lot, you know, like about the, the like the '90s and the influence people had, and um, there's a whole generation of tattooers which came from outside of tattooing, and there is a gen- there are people in the same generation or a little bit before who came from tattooing. Like Marcus, he came kind of like from a different angle. He was a tattooer right away. He's now. You know, like he was never like a tattooer and then he became that artsy guy, say it like this. Um, but then when I talked to Eddie Deutsch, um, when he was here, same generation, kind of same time, San Francisco, but he came from tattooing, you know, like he fucking hung out with Paul Rogers and tattooed Paul Rogers and all that. And then you have there, there's almost like two groups of people, like Guy and and all these people, they were like, they, they had a different, they came in a different way into tattooing. While people like Eddie, uh, like Ed Hardy, obviously he was, he's old school, but then like somebody like Eddie, who's, he's not that much older than Marcus Pacheco, maybe the same age, but he had a different, he came, he t- started tattooing earlier and he was more like a, I would say like a traditional tattooer, but they had the same, but you can tell in the work, you know, Marcus, like he took tattooing like from a totally different angle. Like, I think he never, I think they even made fun of him that he never tattooed a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> 'Cause he maybe never worked really in a in a street shop kind of like the thing. But Eddie he he hung out with Paul Rogers. You know, like he come he came from that background. So um maybe maybe that's why his tattooing always looked more tattoo-y than the Marcus and the guy stuff, you know, like they had like a different approach to it. So it's interesting because uh because as some people who say like yeah, Eddie Dodge is my biggest influence. For me it was Marcus because I guess he it was really different. I don't know. But I think it's just a the question of taste, but it was so different. You know, like a Marcus tattoo in the early 90s was really different. There's this one thing where there's a table with a coffee cup on it and it's super cubist, and you look at it, and everybody looks at this it, like, Oh wow, this is different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like attracted me. What got me interested in tattooing? When I opened the shop, the shop looked totally different. It looked like um, at that time the tattoo shops, like the cool tattoo shops, you like just have a desk and like no flash, just paintings on the walls. And I wanted to make it like fancy, custom, which is funny because now my tattoo shop looks like a tattoo shop and I just have a million sheets of flash on the wall because I started like getting a different taste and I just realized how much I like tattooing. At that time, it was like, you want to be different. You want to, you want your shop to look different than a tattoo shop. And now I want my shop to look like the fucking tattoo shop, you know, because I like it. Now I like the aesthetic, but back then it was like, oh, you, you have to be different and it's funny. Now I laugh about it. <laughs> now I have a fucking counter, which is high. And people, like the whole thing, like, you know, like the, 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 the signs on the walls, which says like, don't do this, don't do that. Back in the days, it was like a desk and you're like, yeah, it's, it's funny. I laugh about it myself because it's my, my taste in this changed a lot. And my approach to tattooing changed a lot too. I think that's when I really started appreciating like uh, traditional tattooing more. That's the same time, like the mid nineties, when I really like, oh, this is cool, you know. When that all that changed, and like people like Mike Wilson and Scott Sylvia, they started doing like more traditional stuff when they came from the new school stuff. Um, and then I guess that's like why my my taste in tattooing is like this now too.
1: And when did you start
0: traveling? First time in two thousand one. Mm. That was kind of like when I, you know, I worked a couple of years here and kind of like had to establish the shop. And that was for the first time when I had a, a proper shop helper who could run the shop when I'm gone. You know, because before that was me. And then I had an apprentice. And then at one point we were like three, I, had, I really hired a real shop guy. And that was the first time when I could leave, you know. And then I went to San Francisco and hung out and started meeting people. And that's from then, it's just like went berserk, you know. Like sometimes I went to the States like, Twice a year, going to conventions, meeting people. Yeah, and then I think seven years ago, I started going to Japan a lot because I really got interested in um, Japanese tattooing. Yeah, I like I like the traveling. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a, how you call it, repetitive person, so I go to the same places a it. lot Yeah, because I kind of like f- start feeling at home to a point where I can drive with a car in San Francisco and I don't need to... Uh, GPS. Okay. <laughs> so when I have to go from Blackheart with a car to Tattoo City, I don't have a needed map or a GPS. So it's kind of like, but I kind of like it. You know, like I like the, and you, you start having friends and so it becomes like the place where you go, which sometimes is stupid because other people like they go to Japan and then they go to Thailand and then they go to uh, Burma and all these places. And I'm kind of like always, I'm stuck. I'm kind of a little... I like it you know like i go to a place where i'm like oh i really like it i want to go back instead you're learning like, japanese now right i try to it's terrible hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like <laughs> it's a it's uh it's a crazy uh difficult language but it's nice i really got interested in japanese culture japanese tattooing obviously too but um i just really like japan and i like how the people are and um I'm making another idea. book now. Yeah, I'm doing oh. a book on karate like uh, old master who tattooed since '66. Very traditional Japanese. Very. Traditional. What was the idea behind that as well? Like, what made you click? And be the different? thing is, I went to Japan the first time, and with my friend Will Lawley and Randy Hall and my friend Olaf from Düsseldorf, and um, we met uh, Bunchin Horitoshi who is was friends with Will. And I didn't know him before. So um, we met there. And we, it was super nice. We got along really well. And he said like, oh, you know what? We can, we can visit our, like my grandmaster. Um, and then we went to visit Harikiu in his studio. And that was beautiful because he was exactly what, you come in and you're like, okay, that's, that's a fucking real deal, you know? He's a character. Like he's a, um, he looks like a movie star. And he has like he has such an aura aura which is so special that I was like, Man, this is a cool guy. I wanna get tattooed by him. So next time I go to Japan I ask Toshi if he can arrange an appointment. So I have an appointment, I get tattooed by him. And it's like it's it's just very special. And I feel like, oh man, he, he's super cool. I learned more about him from my friend Toshi and the family and all that and I just realized how how traditional that all that is and it's such a crazy world because a lot of I think in the West a lot of people know the you know you know the Horitoshi family you know the um, Horiyoshi family and all that so it's a lot of exposure on them but then if you see somebody who lives just they they didn't have a lot of exposure before Um, because they're so traditional it's like they don't care about exposure especially not in the West they just like they have their customers which most of the times don't want exposure because they are they are yeah exactly so um, it's all like super underground and I was like man this is like obviously like you're like a little kid in the, in, a, in a gangster movie you're like oh man this is fucking cool so and at one point I was like I said like Toshi man I really really like your grandma so he's he's the coolest kid he's the coolest guy and it's like oh maybe what do you think we should do a book on him and Toshi's like yeah I can ask him and then first he wasn't really into it um, because he's so Japanese that he doesn't want... He doesn't want to um, get all the exposure, you know, because he's so humble and, you know, like um, I'm a craftsman. I don't want, you know... the um, Very humble. But at one point I think he changed his mind and because he came to the Aachen convention first year when we did the Aachen convention four years ago, he came here, uh, which was mind-blowing thing for me to have this guy walk in my city, walk on the streets in my city and sit in restaurants and go to the convention and tattoo. And I think he kind of like, I don't know, he, I think he started liking me or something or trusting me. So, at the one point, he, he agreed and said like, yeah, I want to do the book. But I want to do the book with you because it's going to be you who's doing the book. So, it was like, a, I guess, a personal thing. Which was great for me because for me, that thing is personal too. I don't want to just make books. You know, i don't want to make books about everybody i want to make books about people we have a connection and then we started that whole project like i went to um, japan with a photographer we had customers come in we had a shooting we did uh, pictures of him working so we have a we had like a, a bunch of photos i scanned his portfolio and went through his portfolio and he started tattooing 66 so there's a a bunch of stuff it's like back pieces and so all that together now we are like the book is 300 pages just pictures pretty much when is it coming out uh it's coming t- for the Aachen convention in september yeah that's kind of like the, the whole process and it's super interesting obviously because you learn a lot about japanese tattooing you know
1: you were saying that that was very nice if you would like to mention it the thing that you like about japanese people culturally is very different from yeah from that's western yeah, yeah.
0: which i will, I have a problem with modern Western mentality. And close so, to the way you've been brought yeah, up and stuff. Yeah. Because people in the West, it seems to be that everybody, nobody thinks about what he says. Um, everybody's just like, <laughs> and uh, um, I don't like it. And I don't like when people uh, put you in a position where you don't want to be. So they're going to ask you all every, the boldest stupid question. And you have to tell them like, Hey man, no. And then they get pissed. And in Japan, what I love in Japan is that in Japan, it's almost, it feels like it's almost your job to think about the question that you're going to ask because they don't really like saying no. And people are like, oh, amazing. They never say no. How amazing is that? And it's like, no, it's not because it's your job to not even think about, like not even saying, uh, asking the question they don't want to answer. Which is great because it's so much awareness, you know, like you, if you um, approach somebody, you're going to think about how you approach them. And um, if, if the question is okay, because you don't want to bring into the situation, which something in the Western world nowadays is it's terrible. You know, people come to you, ask a, a question, a super bold question, and you have to explain them like, like no, man, this is not the way it works. And then they're going to be pissed you know and this is like brings you in a bad situation because you're the asshole you right and in japan it's nice because you have to think about it you know like you have to think like oh maybe can i ask this question should i ask this question so you start thinking about more and sometimes you just can't answer the question yourself because you think about more it's so much awareness and when you watch japanese people talk with each other a lot of times they um, they listen a lot they listen, and somebody says something, and then you can tell, like, they're all, like, looking around and thinking about it, and then somebody else says something. Which, I th- it's, it's so beautiful, because they are, like, everybody's like, oh, let me think about it. It's more conscious. Yeah, listening. it's more conscious. It's like awareness, you know, like, um, there's a lot of awareness in how they do things, because nobody wants to be the guy who asks a stupid question, and don't bring other people in a, in a weird situation where you it's to.
1: interesting how the attention is put on the other person first yeah, yeah. instead of starting from me and what do i want to hear and what do i get out of this you know the, yeah, yeah. obviously not to look stupid as well you know so you have some sort of return but it's more like okay let me place my attention on you and try to craft my question so that you are going to be able to
0: answer in the yeah best way so it's interesting it's more like it that. has a lot of beauty in it it's very complicated it's very complicated, but it has a lot of beauty in it because it makes you very aware. It's like it's really funny. I I was brought up a little bit like that, so that's the reason why I I I I have a hard time sometimes with modern western society. Um and that's in, in Japan is a lot of time, especially in that more traditional old school uh environment of tattooing. You can tell like you're not going to you know it's nice. It's a it's a very complicated. Don't get me wrong. It's like complicated, and I had some moments where I just did stuff wrong because it was difficult. It's always difficult. And what would you say? Like,
1: how is it tattooing now in Japan? Are these traditions still alive? Are they
0: surviving? Are they, getting? A... Yeah. The thing is, I can't really talk for everybody and the thing, but like how I um, perceive when you go perceive go it when I go there. The whole legal thing about tattooing is has a lot to do with tattoo shops. And they have problems because they're in the focus of the people and the police and everybody. And there is some problems with taxes and all that. So that's the whole thing. The more traditional, because you have two tattoo scenes in Japan, the traditional scene and then the tattoo shops, the more Western style tattooing. And um, the more traditional style side of tattooing, to be honest, I don't think that they really care because their customers don't want to get in tattooed in tattoo shops because they are who they are so they um they like the whole underground thing it's like sometimes i think that even the landlords of those tattooers don't know that there's a tattoo working there um so uh, there is this whole like traditional japanese tattoo scene and i don't think that they really care about if it's legal or not i i would even think it's it might for some people it might be even more interesting when it's illegal because it makes it more powerful Mm -hmm. because obviously if you're a gangster and you're heavily tattooed and tattooing is illegal it makes you more gangster right (laughs) definitely you know and to be honest what i learned is that it's still way more gangster than we think it is like people think like oh yeah it's like it's all a myth and it's all that but it's still it's a lot and i can imagine that they don't really care if it's legal or not because it doesn't it's not going to change it you know, it's kind of like if you go to East LA, there's some some guy who just out of prison who's tattooing in his, in his kitchen, and he doesn't care if it's legal or not because he did it in prison and he will do it in the kitchen. Because he's mm-hmm. a gangster, and it's because he's a gangster and he doesn't care. So and it makes it obviously that's the power of Japanese tattooing in Japan for me is the fact that it's not so exposed. You know, when you walk on the street in Japan, I had it a couple of times when. So I'm standing somewhere with my tattoos because I'm a Westerner, so nobody cares. Um, But then, like an old Japanese guy, looking around, coming to me, like really looking around like like he's hiding something. And then he just lifts up a little bit of his sleeve and you can see that he has a Japanese tattoo. Like this. And he knows that, like he can't show it in the public, but he wants me to know that he has a tattoo. (laughs) And that power, that like power, like that comes from it not being mainstream the more taboo tattooing is somewhere the more it's the more interesting it is right you know like now you go somewhere and it's like everybody has his neck and his hands tattooed and you know like five guys with neck tattoos come into a place and you're like wow 20 years ago you would say like okay now it's gonna get like nasty it's gonna have a fight now it's time to now leave now it's five people coming with neck tattoos in in, a, in somewhere and it's like hey where i get a vegan coffee so it's different which I don't want to have fights with everybody who has neck tattoos. You know, don't get me wrong. I like it here because it's obviously nicer to be not stigmatized if you're tattooed. But it makes it a little bit more interesting when it would be in Japan. It's, it's still a, a message, you know. It still says something about you. Um, and that's like beautiful in a way too, you know. So I think sometimes I think maybe the traditional tattoos in Japan, they don't really care. If it's legal or not. Because they got going tattoo anyways. You know, they... I don't even know if they're all, like, legal tattoos you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the beauty of it, you know.
1: And you get to... Because you, you bring a bunch of Japanese people at the convention every year. Yeah. So you get, obviously, to know more
0: and more about this culture through, as well, the things that you do. I would say that I don't... Like, there are, uh, there's a lot of people who know way more about Japanese tattooing uh in culture than I do because I'm more the guy who I don't know like I I'm not really good at learning mm. um I don't I'm not going to sit down and learn every name of every warrior and every you know there are people who can tell you when which frog fought it somewhere you know like um this never really i don't know that doesn't work for me I'm, my, my brain doesn't work like that i like to understand the uh, the big picture i don't know like i hang out with these people and i kind of like the get the feel for the whole thing i know a lot of people like right now it's mostly people from the horikyu family i know and every time i go to japan i see a bunch of them and hang out with them so that's kind of like how i learn about japanese tattooing and understanding what I think Japanese tattooing is. And that's interesting because um, for a while I was really annoyed by Japanese tattooing in the West because there are a lot of people, smart asses in Japanese tattooing. Like I said, people who, this is wrong because you have to do it this way. And you, this is wrong and that frog has to be like this. And which kind of like took, took away a lot of the fun for me. You know, because I'm a punk rocker, so I never really liked the rules. So I was like, ah man, this is weird. Like there's I'm a tattooer now and there's this guy who wants to tell me what I have to do. And then uh, you go to Japan and you realise nobody gives a shit about all that. You know, because they tattooing has a different for me, like how I experience like. It's just like all my my experience and my view. Like it's not that I can say it in general, but for me understanding it was it's not about Oh, you have to do this, like, have to do that. And then you talk to people, uh, Japanese tattooers there, and they don't really care about a lot of the stuff because their customers don't care. I mean, their customers are gangsters. As long as he looks good. They wanna look good. They wanna look tough. They wanna have cool tattoos. And they're gonna pay. So they're gonna say, like, hey, I want a tiger here, you know? And then that guy somewhere in the West gonna say, like, you can't put a tiger there because the tiger has to. And the, and the guy's like, no, I don't give a fuck. I want a tiger because of tiger is tough. So that's kind of like what I learned about Japanese tattooing in Japan, which, really, uh, which I really liked because it gave me that feeling that like, okay, cool. In Germany, we say klugscheißer, which means somebody who uh, shits uh, smart, a smart ass. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like it never was my thing. You know, like I, I kind of like the, the looseness and the, the power. And the power of Japanese tattooing is obviously more of a, what it means in Japan, you know, being, being heavily tattooed means, you know, like a, you're, you're a tough guy. I was talking know?
1: with, uh, you know, Stuart Archibald? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, he was a royal and uh, he knows a lot about Japan because he goes to Japan all the time. And, mm. and uh, he was saying exactly something like that where he was talking about the Hanya and this and that. And, you know, like how it no, doesn't have a very positive meaning. It's not a very positive character because it's a scorned woman that goes insane by jealousy and anger and turns yeah. into a demon. So it's like, why would you want to have that on your body? And he was like, in Japan, they don't give a fuck. It just looks cool. Yeah. You know? Not because he's inspiring. It he just looks sick. You know? And and he started opening my mind to the be like, oh, okay. So maybe like you say, you don't have to be that strict. Mm. You know? And then at the end of the day, you, you the very interesting question I was talking with I can't remember who it was. And he was saying, what is tattooing? What is tattooing? You know, and tattooing can be so many things. And I think it's, it's, it might be a little limiting when somebody wants to somehow own it in its own definition, be like, no, tattooing is this, period. Mm -hmm. You know, because tattooing is so many things, even culturally, you know, depending on the country that developed it and depends on... You know, you had the punk rock, and then you had the Japanese, and then you had the tribal,
0: and then you had the family thing, and then, you know? So it's really, yeah, it's so much, so much more. And the funny thing is, you can come up with all these definitions of what they're doing is, but in the end, the customer who comes through the door, he doesn't give a shit. He wants a tattoo, you know? And when the guy comes in, it's just like, hey, man, I want one of these, one of these things, the mask with the horns, the devil, the Japanese devil. You know, like, yeah, it's a hanya. it means this and that. And he's like, I don't care, just, it looks awesome. So in the end, um, it made me really happy to understand that the, for me, like, like I always can just say, it's just what I experienced. Like I'm not an, I'm actually not an expert in it at all. The power of Japanese tattooing for me, it doesn't come from knowing the right word for everything and all that. Like I talk to people and say like, do you know all these stories? And they say, Google. (laughs) (laughs) you know and I was like okay cool I can do that you know there's always like um, these people I don't know there are a lot of people who like rules because rules make the life easy if you have rules it's easy because you can say like oh I live by the rules and you can judge other people who don't apply to the rules um, and I'm a punk rocker, so I always didn't like it. I, I became a tattooer because I didn't wanna. I don't wanna live by society rules, and now I have this guy, and he give, wants to give me all the rules. And he looks at my stuff and says like, "This is wrong, and this is wrong." So, this made me happy. And then the same, there was a there was a time in the early two thousands where like a, a bunch of like Western traditional smartasses who would say like, "Oh, you have to do this because Sailor Jerry did it like this." We think like, oh wow, really? Which is funny because Sailor Jerry was super innovative guy, and uh, he would have done so much more if he could. Obviously, if you do everything like it's always been done, tattooing will be dead. You know, because it's the same with music. You know, like there is certain types of music who are so repetitive. It's a certain music. There is just singing about themselves. For example, a lot of like skinhead music. It's weird because they just sing about like, oh, we are skinheads, and you're like, wow, what, what about? what about the meaning of skinhead culture where you talk about like the problems of society and now you just celebrate your shirts and your boots, you know, and that's the same with tattooing. For me, like if tattooing, I like traditional tattooing a lot and I really like where it comes from, but I like that saying, tradition doesn't mean that you worship the ashes, but you have to carry on the torch, you know, because the past is gone. So if you just worship the past, you can't carry on the torch. What, what are you going to do? Like doing the same tattoos, which have been done in with the same colors and everything, just for the next 2,000 years? It's not going to work. There are obviously people who uh, really change things, like who really do different tattoos. Or oh, do. Like, you know, like crazy, artsy, different stuff. But in that tattooing, what I like, um, sometimes it can be little things. Um which totally changed a lot and uh, carries on the torch, you know. For example, uh, Chris Kahn, he changed the way how you render a girl's face because he started doing girl heads. You know, before it was always a pinup with a little head. So he started like, oh, let's do a, a, a big girl head. And so he had to start rendering the face new. And now a whole generation of traditional tattooers using his addition to how you render a girl's face, like where you put the lines and all that. So that's kind of like, that's just a, like a tiny little change, but it makes a difference. And that's kind of what carries on for me, the torch, because you bring something which gonna change, change, change everything, you know, and I think there's a lot of room for, um, new stuff in that, you know, like there's a lot of people who bring new stuff and even it's just like a funny, weird color combination or something. It's like sometimes it's the tiniest little things people bring into tattooing, but that's carries on the torch for me. And I think that's important for us because otherwise it's going to be, I don't, I don't think that I want to be, a, wouldn't want to be a tattooer in ninety forty, just doing flash from the wall every day. Like I became a tattoo because I want to draw, right? So if somebody would say like, no, you're gonna do flash for the rest of the wall, and you're gonna do the rest of your life, and you're just gonna do the flash on this wall, I don't know if I want to be a tattoo, you know, because then it's just, <laughs> it's just a job, you know, yeah. right? So I think, obviously, the idea of custom tattooing changed tattooing too because it brought people in who want that, you know. So and even even just
1: tattooing is not enough for you because you do like you like to do a bunch of other things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm actually lucky to find uh, other things which make me happy, uh, which are all um, connected to tattooing, you know, so I do a convention, uh, I do the books, and I, now I do the how to use um, exhibition, and I paint, so there's a lot of stuff which is always combined, uh, connected to tattooing, which I really like, so every time I'm like, ah, damn, I don't, tattooing sucks, you know, where you have that day where tattooing sucks and then you just sit down and paint or you sit down and start working on a new project, you know, so it's always something, you know, like, because sometimes you don't want to wear gloves, so you organize a tattoo convention, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, well, but it's always, it's nice for me that it's, uh, most of the times has something to do with tattooing.
1: Why did you want to start a convention
0: in the first place? The thing is, I know a lot of people from traveling, and I get along with a lot of people. I thought about it for a while, and then some promoter from out of town, shitty guy, did a shitty convention in Aachen, which bummed me out really bad, in the same place. And he did it three years in a row. It was terrible. And I went to the first, with the shop, went to the first. And we had was the he a tattoo guy? He was a tattooer. Terrible. Everything terrible about it. So he did it, and it was terrible. And I told him, and he's like, hey, why well, you look so angry? I was like, man, this, is, this sucks so bad. So the next year, he didn't, uh, didn't uh, invite me anymore. Um, <laughs> so what I did, we did a walk-in the whole weekend. We did a walk-in with everybody in the shop for the whole weekend. So we tattooed 100 people on that weekend. Because he's a shitty guy who just wants to make money. So I like, oh, you know what? <laughs> you don't invite me? Let's decide. We did a walk-in at the shop, just two days, Saturday and Sunday, um, and just tattooed maybe 100 people on the whole weekend. You know, kind of the same weekend like his convention. But his, he was... He, and he did conventions all over Germany, and it was always just about money, you know, like inviting shitty tattooer and It was terrible. And then one day... Um, my boxing gym was in the basement of that hall. So one day I go to boxing. So I meet this guy and he's like, oh, you don't like that guy who does the tattoo convention? I was just like, yeah, I don't like him. He's doing a bad job for tattooing. And I start like telling him because I'm, I'm actually very straightforward when it comes to stuff like this. And I told the guy in his face. So I was like, okay, I can tell the other guy too. So I told him and I said like, oh, by the way, who are you? Because we we're just talking about him. And he said like, yeah, I'm the landlord of this place. The I was place like, where the convention is now. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, that's not <laughs> sad for you that you have that guy. And he's like, yeah, he actually told me that he's not going to do the convention anymore. So like, yeah, that's good. Maybe not good for you, but good for us. Um, and he's like, yeah, maybe you should, what, what, you ever thought about doing it? And I said like, you know what, let's have breakfast tomorrow morning. So we met up for breakfast and uh, he offered me to um, do the convention there. And, um, yeah, and then it just became reality. Yeah, and then I just thought, like, oh, we're going to start, like, easy, and I'm going to invite some people I know and see uh, where this goes. And I thought, like, oh, maybe we keep it, like, a little, like, more European. Invite some people, because if it's not going to work... You know, nobody has to fly yeah, from far away, far away, and gonna be bumped. And then I started talking about it, and then people were like, "Oh, if you do a convention, I'm gonna come." And I was like, "Oh, shit, You know, this is gonna be. <laughs> I have to, <laughs> I have to, I have to make it work." So in the end, it was in the first Aachen convention. It was like a, it was already pretty wild lineup. In, in how f- many people were kind it of? It was 120. To I have to say, I did a little. There was this uh, the a big car show in Germany for a long time. And uh, the guy who run that car show, he approached me one day and said like, because he has a lot of, he brings American car builders, American bike builders, and he he does a really amazing concept. And he said like, you know what? I really want to have a little tattoo convention as part of my car show, but I just don't want everybody. I want just like, I want the, the, the good stuff. And he's, because he's a tattoo guy. He's fully tattooed. And it's like, yeah, I can do that. So I started that thing. And uh, right the first convention, like, Scott Sylvia came and told them. And all these people came because they're friends of mine. And they're like, oh, when you do that, well, we come. That sounds fun. So they came. And they did it a couple of times. And then we stopped this because the guy sold the, the event. And then I started doing the arm convention. And because a lot of the people already knew, okay, like, Andres is... He's, he's doing a, a good job. So they came and, and then it's just like, from there it was just, um, it went really well. The convention was super busy um, because we just hit the right audience right away. Because I think nowadays, a tattoo convention, that depends on what kind of audience you draw. You know, if you draw the, the wrong audience, you're going to have a problem. Because you need people who want to get tattoo. And we just had right away a good audience and good people who wanted to get tattooed. So the, the convention was busy, crazy busy, right away. Everybody was working and I was running around and I was like, wow. You know, because I know a lot of conventions these days where people are not very busy anymore. And that convention was busy, so people would work. And that kind of, like, everybody was like, oh, I'm coming back next year for sure. So that's how it, it became. And for me, it was bringing my friends together. And it blew my mind when you're standing in front of your shop and Paul Doberman and Scott Sylvia walk up the streets in your town. And uh, everybody's in town. It's nice. It's like this is what I like about tattooing. Bringing people together. For example, our, like our visitors. I know this guy. And I know that guy. And they don't know each other. And after the convention, I see on Instagram that they now know each other because they met on the convention and realized that they both like tattoos. And then they start... And then next thing I see, they go somewhere else on the tattoo convention together. I like that. You it's know, nice. Like, like a catalyzer. You know, yeah, totally. And I love it. You know, it's the same with tattooing. Like, I see those tattoos meet on the convention. And then two months later, I see that the one guy works at the other guy's shop for a guest spot. And... Perfect. And I think that's very important for tattooing, you know, the funny thing is like when months before the first convention, I thought like, Jesus, you did a tattoo convention for tattooers. You never thought about the audience, you know, mm-hmm. because I like, oh, I'm going to do this for the tattooers. I'm going to do that. The best convention for the audience is that you have happy tattooers. Like you have always said the guys are like, oh, you don't have a strip show. I was like, nope. When at a strip club, so um, I kept all that away. I had like some acoustic music, um, but we try to keep it away. Now the the new focus for me is like seminars and stuff like this because I really like the idea of education, educational things. And we get a lot of tattoos. We have a lot of tattoos coming to the convention, which blows my mind. It's just like exactly what I always wanted to do. And it's funny because it draws like collectors and serious tattoo people too, because when it's like, oh, my tattoo goes to that convention, maybe I should go there too, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, and that's exactly what I wanted, I wanted to do a tattoo convention for the uh, tattoo enthusiasts, like people who really like tattooing. We did a thing for the people from Aachen, because obviously it's a, like a little nerdy convention, so if you come to a convention, you have no tattoo, and it's like, 18 euros entrance fee. There is nothing else than just tattooing. Then you're like, oh maybe that's a lot of money. So we did a, a thing called Locals First Ticket, which is a ticket for 10 euros and you can buy it in the shop. So it's like usually people from Aachen and around to buy it. And that's like their chance to get in cheaper so they can experience it. Without, like, thinking, like, oh, 18 euros, like, you know. So if they don't like it, they're not going to be bummed because it's 18 euros. But somebody who flies in from England, he doesn't give a shit if it's 18 euros, right? I So I wanted to give something back to the people from Aachen, you know, and give them a con- their convention. So we did this, and people love it. They come and get tattooed. Um, and I'm really happy. It works well. There were other conventions like that. Pagoda City is... Justin Weatherhold does it with his old boss. It's beautiful conventions. Same concept, like Bristol and all... There's a lot of... There's a whole new breed of conventions who go in that way. And I think it's just tattooing change. Back in the... Like 20 years ago, there was one tattooing. Now it's like 10 tattooings. And if you go on a big convention, like the really big ones with 500 tattoos, they are like micro scenes. You know, there's uh, realistic guys and there's uh, these guys and that guys. And... Literally, you have nothing to do with these people. They do the same thing. They put color into people's skin, but there's no... You have nothing to do with them. So when I wanted to do the convention, I just realized, I don't want to do every... There are certain style of tattooing I don't really want there, because obviously I don't like it, and not even like it, but I don't think it's good tattooing, so I just cut it out. But then, obviously, you narrow down your audience. But I think, like, yeah, but we do, I say, like, real tattooing, and then the real people who like real tattoo will come. You mentioned Ed Hardy.
1: Yes. You're doing a show on him now, right?
0: Yeah. One day I was drawing in in my drawing room and um, I kind of started sketching out like uh, the morph mashup thing. Um, and I made a banner on it and just wrote like Hardy Youth on it, like like a youth organization, because I felt like, oh yeah, we are the Hardy Youth because so many of us follow in his. Footsteps or like standing on his shoulders. And on one thing which I always got in, I was always interested in how certain designs got into tattooing and became an iconic um, design in tattooing or uh, part of the iconography of tattooing. So, for example, the Panther, it's from a child's book from 1934, The Crawling Panther. But we don't know who the guy was who got it out of the book and made it a tattoo design. But Ed Hardy painted that morph thing in 91 and Michael Malone was sitting next to him and said like, hey man, you should get credit for this because everybody's going to copy this. So there's 91, which is not that far away. It's still a, a long time ago, but it's like, it's not, it's, it's my lifetime, kind of like it's our lifetime. So there's this thing in 91 and then in 2019, this is a total classic of tattooing, you know? It's thirty years. Yeah. So I was like, "This is cool because you, c- you can show from from that thing, you can show how something become becomes so a part of iconography of tattooing that maybe some people who do it don't even know that's, that that Ed Hardy was the first person to do it because it became a, a classic, you know. And then this Mary Joy who works for Ed is good friend of mine. I told her about the idea. She really liked the idea. And I said, like, do you think I should approach him? And then I saw him somewhere, I think in San Francisco. And I told him about the idea. Like I I wrote him an email and then I saw him and he really liked the idea. Uh, He really loved it. And I was super, because I said like, hey, I have this thing, I have this idea. I don't know. It's stupid. Please tell me. And I wrote him about the idea and he really liked it. So he kind of gave me the okay for it to do it, and then I started inviting people. And uh, people liked that idea. A lot of great people participated, and I'm really happy about it.
1: And he's gonna see it? You're gonna visit in San Francisco? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna
0: show it in Aachen and in London at the London Tattoo Convention and at Taki's convention in San Francisco, the Bay Area convention. And uh, I'm gonna do a catalog on it, and Ed will write uh, the. Preface. Preface for the, for the book. I do the catalog, first of all, because I think it's nice to have all those paintings. And on the other hand, I just have to uh, get the money in to frame everything and ship everything. Yeah, and so and so yeah. I kind of just have to get the money in, which I think is totally fine. There is a lot of beautiful paintings, which...
1: Yeah, well, see, like you were sharing me before, amongst your thousands of <laughs>
0: painting which, which you're a big collector of originals. You have a lot of originals you know like usually it starts with like you're trading paintings with your friends and then you go to a convention there is a painting for sale and you're like oh wow i can buy this painting and then you buy a painting and then it just becomes the thing where you and i start just started collecting paintings and then um, i bought my first vintage tattoo machine and then i bought my first Vintage tattoo flash. So it just became. I just became a terrible collector. There are certain things where, I never, for example, I bought my when I bought my bought my first Ed Hardy painting. I never even ever thought that I would be able to buy Ed Hardy painting. ostie works on me. He said like there is this gallery in Long Beach, Track Sixteen. They still have Ed Hardy paintings, like '90s stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> so that's how it happened you called it and him. then he kind of like organized it and then we got our paintings and it was mind blowing to me that I had a Ed Hardy painting and I was like wow and it was like the 90s stuff which is my favorite early 90s and then when I was on the Long Beach convention the Queen Mary one I was like oh this is we like Long Beach maybe I should just go back, go there to the gallery and see if they still have some and I went in and was like hey you have any Ed Hardy paintings left and he's like Yep. And then they brought out a table, which was stacked with Ed Hardy Originals. And I was like, oh, wow. So I bought the next one. And then it kind of like became the thing, you know? And it's like, it's just funny to me that every, every time some, I'm holding something, I'm like, I never even thought that I would come close to an original Sailor Jerry sheet. And then you buy it. And then you're like, wow. So and the funny thing, the more people know that you're collecting, the more people approach you about buying stuff. So it becomes it becomes a thing where I get random texts from somebody in the United States who just sends me like you wanna buy this? I am like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not fucking eBay. But it's it's nice and it becomes a thing, and then you're like, Oh man, I wish I had uh, I wish I could get a Cap Coleman sheet. And then the next thing is like somebody's like, Oh, I have this Cap Coleman sheet from the 30s. And I was like, Yeah, I buy it. So then it becomes this. And um, I stack it just here in the apartment. And then now I've, I'm... I've said it. <laughs> and now it's like to a point where I'm like, oh, and then I had the idea like, maybe you should have a room for it. Talking to the guy next door and he's talking about like moving out. And, um, I need more space for the publishing company to have an office and storage. And then uh, the next thing is we talk about that I rent that place. So, and then I'm going to have a little... It's going to be a gallery space in the front, the museum, a little museum with all the stuff, and then office and all that. Uh, And in the gallery space, I'm going to have... I want to have, like, have art shows, um, tattoo-related art shows. And we even thought about, like, having little seminars there, you know. Because I really like uh, the idea of bringing tattoos together and the educational thing, where you just have maybe bring in people for seminars, you know, because there are a lot of tattoos around here, like in the next 200 miles around here, and I know that a lot of them, they travel. It's pretty well connected as well. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not that hard to get here. Even yeah. If you're, you know. So I can see that, for example, if I have bring somebody over here to have a seminar, that I have like 20 people sitting here, I think easily, easily. And even for art shows and all that. And I like the idea of bringing people together because it makes tattooing better. Because I want to give something back to tattooing, like I said. I really... I'm very fortunate in tattooing, so I want to, you know, give something back to... It. Maybe it's because I'm from the punk rock scene, and in the punk rock scene, you know it yourself, and the hardcore scene, it's... You know, like, you do things... You um, want to you wanna, you wanna um, submit something. You want to um, bring something to the table. Contribute. You got, yeah. yeah, contribute. You, you know, like... You're going to do a fence and you're going to do a show. So you always bring something to the table. And I think tattooing should be the same. You know, like there are people who just consume and then people who do something. And in my world, everybody should do a little thing at least, like contribute something. And my thing is like I bitch a lot about things. And every time I bitch about something, I'm like, if you bitch about something, you should do something about it. Because otherwise you're just bitching, you know. So for i bitching about how bad tattoo convention saw, so then you just do your own tattoo convention. Because, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I like bitching. I li- me, like, really I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I like to be the grumpy guy. But every time you're the grumpy guy and bitching about something, you should, like, okay, you know. And every time somebody's like, oh, man, you're so grumpy. I'm like, yeah, I'm grumpy, but I do things to make it different. I always say that I'm a, I'm a negative person with a positive outlook. You know, like, I'm, you're like, oh, this sucks. And then you just like, oh, maybe we should do our own. And then you do your own and you can make it better. You know, that's how I function. You know, on the other hand, I do a lot because I need it. Because I need to have, keep my head sane, you know. Because otherwise, if I am get bored, I'm like depressed in a minute, you know. So, I I'm, I'm totally
1: understand, man. Yeah. It's, 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 you need to get those idea out. Otherwise, you go insane.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I just told my girlfriend, I said like, hey. It's funny, like, in this last six months, I was, I was so busy in the last six months and ne- not even had one day of depressions. Because I was busy. You know, when I'm busy, I'm fine. You know, so... And I know it might be not the right way to do it, but it's a very easy way for me to do it. You know, like, you just do th- stuff and you're happy. Because you can, I got raised that way, you know, like with a lot of pressure, which I could maybe change, but it's a very easy, for me, it's a very easy and it's a nice way because I can, I can keep my head sane was just doing that and i like it so it's like it it doesn't feel like i have to change it you know every time i have a new idea it's like it, i get a rush and like when i the first time when i went to the convention hall and had the first talk with a guy i came out and i had a rush and i was like so i was really in pumping and i was like fuck yeah and that's exactly what i like and which keeps me moving you know so
1: yeah i feel the same way and uh on a personal level what would you say that over all these years that you've been tattooing, you've been involved with this, and you met a lot of people which, you know, going to Japan, meeting all these Americans, you know, like it's it's life, uh, lesson somehow, because you take a little hint, a little tip, a little lesson here and there. What would you say is the one that is the most valuable, a lesson that you learned that proved very valuable and you keep living by that lesson
0: Ooh. or by that tip? Ooh. There's a bunch of things I really, I really think. Practice what you preach is one of the things, you know. I have a... I I think I have, like, morals, high morals when it comes to certain things. So you have to live by your own morals, you know. But I hate double standards, you know. If you want... So I... That's kind of, like, my thing. Like, I I don't want to get caught doing something which I I don't like. You know, that's my whole life. I don't want to get caught being fake. I don't want to get caught doing something which... I pretend not to not to do. The same was lead by example, you know, like do things the way you want to have done because otherwise people will point at you and say like, hey, you talk that, but you don't do it. You know, that's kind of like, I don't, I don't know, there's, I had a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I learned a lot from the Godfather movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. We just talked earlier, but it. it's like, it's a, it's, that's, a, that's a lot of good life lessons in that one. What to do or not to do. No, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always try to be me, you know, like try to, to be true to myself, you know, like not try to pretend, pretend somebody, uh, to be somebody you are not. Because that's like, uh, a lot of people are very fake. And I try to be just like, in in, in all the consequences, with every neg- negative I expect. expect. Um, but if you really want to grow as a person, you have to face your negative sides, and then you can grow. Otherwise, you're like, when you, Pretend to be something you're not. You're not going to work on your, uh, on your person, on your personality. And I think that's a, a big part for me. It's just like be true to yourself and realize what's, what's, um, what's negative, what's wrong, what's your mistakes, what is your weakness, and then just grow and try to change it. And i crazy. When I, I used to be a person who would be totally try to get away from every conflict, you know, like personal conflict, I, I always needed like harmony and kind of, and I would do a lot to keep the harmony. And now I'm laugh about it because now I'm almost like, not the opposite, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's easy for me to have a conflict and to try to uh, have a conflict in a, in a reasonable way. Confrontation. Yeah, yeah confrontation. I, I don't have a problem with it. So because I, I told myself, like you have to change it. Because this is not you. You're like you. And that's like all the, there's so many things where I really, really, really worked on hard, you know? Try to be um, a different person. Because when I was a kid, I was like, I was not a kid, but when I was a teenager, I was terrible. You know, I was <laughs> just an angry yeah, yeah. kid doing stupid things. in trouble. You know, and uh, I just said like, no, this is not how I want to be. And I think tattooing is one of the things which helped me a lot because it gave me a purpose in life, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm now I'm in a, in, a, in a good mental health because I have found something where I can focus on and I can work on. You know? Direct
1: your energy and yeah. your thoughts. And... Nice. Yeah. Andreas, that was a pleasure. Where, where can people find you and where can they know about all the projects and all the new things if you're going to do new initiatives? Like where, where can they follow you and know about this stuff?
0: I would say Instagram is the best because, um, I'm a child of the Instagram. Um, I really like Instagram a lot. Facebook doesn't really work for me. I don't really have a website for myself because Instagram is easy. So I can update everything. Um, yeah, I think Instagram is the best. and then easy. the shop, obviously. The shop. Yes. Shop Instagram is more about the shop because, um, but my personal Instagram is, um, it's like where I post a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. the th- I don't have a blog. I think because I use Instagram as a blog, which works well for me. Yeah. So there would be Andreas Koenen. Andreas Koenen. And then the sinner and the saint. Yeah. The you're shop. gonna find me somewhere there. Uh, I have different Instagram pages. I have one for my publishing company. It's called Koen Publishing. And then I have one for my collection, where I post like pictures of stuff I own and talk about it a little bit. And then obviously one for the convention, one for the shop, and then now I did one for the hardy to use for the mashup thing, where I post little teasers, um, yeah, I'm an Instagram baby. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Yeah, we all are. But it's, it's, it's almost like it's made for tattoos. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like the person who came up with Instagram just thought about tattooing, <laughs> because it works so well for tattooing. It's crazy. Yeah, like, the
1: format and the, yeah, the, the format like it's crazy. Yeah,
0: I know a lot of people who do other stuff and they say it sucks for them. It sucks because it's not. It doesn't fit. You know, like if you do certain things, it doesn't fit because it's a little picture. Or if you write or if you yeah, there are different things again. Yeah, totally. It's like crazy. It works so well. It's crazy. I love it. So that's like the best place. And uh, I try to um, keep it updated. And
1: awesome! You're going to see you at the convention in a month. Yes. Thank, thank you, you very for much for coming back,
0: and thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being our guest.